God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for, Lord, your presence here already. God, we bow down to you, Lord, and we thank you that you love us, Lord, in spite of us, Lord, despite of us, God, that you, you love us, God, in grace and mercy. And so, Lord, we, we yearn to hear your voice tonight. So speak, God. As we learn your word, Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak into our hearts and minds, Lord, and change us. Draw us, Lord, God, into exactly what you want us to do and, and live like, God. So I pray that you touch this evening, and I ask for your anointing by your Spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I, I walked into this house of this single guy who restores old cars for a living. And I, I walked past, I went into this house, I, I walked past the living room, and in the living room, everywhere were like parts of the body, body parts of the car, in, in the house now, in the living room. Part of a fender, you know, bumper, side panel, you know, and, and it wasn't like giant parts or something, but it, you could see it was just all over, scattered. I walked past like the dining room, and, and, and I, I think it was the dining room, but it was like more car parts. I mean, every space on the floor, on the table, car parts, boxes of them, you know, big parts and little parts in these boxes and everything. I walked past the kitchen, you know, and we were heading toward the back of the house, and I saw in the kitchen more parts, engine parts, you know, pistons, crankshaft, you know, parts sticking out, you can imagine out of these boxes and things I don't even know what it's for. And I mean, it was a kitchen, I still saw, saw pans and things like that, the refrigerator and everything, but all around, even on the kitchen table was car stuff, right? When we finally got to the back, there was a, a big garage in the back and attached to the back of the house. And in the back of the house, there were like maybe three or four cars back there that were being worked on and being restored. So I say this because walking through this house, and you can kind of imagine this, you can tell what this guy's life was all about. It was all about motorcycles. No, just joking, right? What does he live for is seeming like cars, right? It was all, I mean, in his house, it was car park. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. It was a regular house from the outside. You walk in, you see all this stuff. Well, I was thinking about how you can tell what people live for by what things dominate their life. You and me, as believers, hopefully in our house of our hearts, right? In the house of our hearts, I hope people see Jesus in there. We return to our study here in the book of Philippians, and here we find what fills the house of Paul's heart. He's all about, you know who? Jesus. He's all about Jesus. And Paul tells us, that's what I live for. And that's the title of our message tonight, what I live for, what I live for. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 1 from verse 19 through 26 as we take the next section in our study here. Slowly going through Philippians. Our outline tonight, and this is what we're going to find. Number one, Paul's deliverance. Number two, Paul's determination. And number three, Paul's dilemma. So let's begin here. What I live for, this is Paul now speaking to us. We're going to hear his heart here. And number one, we're going to find about Paul's deliverance. Paul's deliverance. Now, Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 here. 
Paul writes, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. We'll stop there. We begin tonight with Paul saying, For I know. Paul is saying, I'm confident that through the prayers or your prayers of the Philippians, he's confident and he feels the prayers. He knows God answers prayer. So he has this confidence. He knows. And then he adds, and the help of the Spirit, We're talk- or the Spirit of, of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. So Paul knows that the Spirit of God will give strength to get through this. And, and now, two things here. Right away we see he knows that God will answer prayer, the prayer of the Philippians, and he knows the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, is going give, to give him strength to get through this. So just those two things... Think in your mind and see how Paul's saying, Yeah, I know because of these things. And so what's this? What is he talking about? Well, with the prayers and the Holy Spirit, he's going to get through this. This situation, he's saying, will all turn out, basically. See, Paul knows he will see deliverance. And what is that? That is from his situation in jail. Remember, we've been uh, studying this as we've gotten into this book that Paul is in prison for his faith in Jesus, right? He's falsely accused, and now he finds himself in Rome awaiting a hearing with Caesar Nero. He's basically under house arrest, chained to a soldier 24-7. But as we saw last week, right, Paul's little update to the Philippians, uh, what we saw earlier about this, was that the chains he's in actually furthered the gospel. It advanced the gospel. We learned that how on his way there, right, to Rome, he got to share his testimony many times, the message of Jesus. We saw in verse 13, the imperial guard was hearing the gospel, those guards, you know, guarding him. And, and remember I mentioned that even the household of Caesar, we see at the end of this book, they say uh, they were perhaps getting to know Jesus and being saved. And we saw how even those who preach Jesus with the wrong motives to spite Paul, they were still putting the message out and that Paul had joy that no matter good motives or not, the gospel was being advanced. That's the word we saw he used in verse 12. So Paul found reason to rejoice in all of this, which he actually says twice right there in verse 18, right? I rejoice, and yes, I rejoice. But there's another reason to rejoice, and that is he looked forward to his deliverance. Paul looked forward to being released from imprisonment. Uh, This is Paul's deliverance, our heading here. Now, you, you can look at this deliverance of Paul in two ways, actually. Uh, people have different views on what that means. What, what is he going to actually be delivered from? Well, actually, he's going to be released from prison, but what does that mean in his life? Well, one way uh, that's talked about is Paul will be released from being in the custody of Rome. In other words, he'll have his hearing with Nero. The truth will come out. Hey, he did nothing wrong. Charges dropped. There's no grounds at all, and he's let go. Another view is that Paul will be released from prison. In other words, he'll be released from life on this earth and go to heaven. So he'll be released from prison in that way. He might be martyred for uh, believing in Jesus, basically. And remember, there's persecution starting up now that's going on, and Christians are being martyred in that way. So he, he could be released even that way from prison. Commentators talk about 
one and this is what he's talking about and other commentators talking about the other. But you know what I think? I think it's both. <laughs> I think he's looking at either way, you know, whatever's going to happen to me, either way, I'm going to be released. For I believe that because at the end of the next verse, look at verse 20 at the end, Paul says, whether by life or by death. And we'll get to that later. But, but you see, he said, whatever way, either I die or, or I still go on living or whatever. You know what? I'm going to be released. I'm going to be delivered here. And I know you guys are praying and God's going to answer those prayers. The Holy Spirit is going to strengthen me through this. Maybe when he stands before Caesar and all like that. So I think it's both he's saying. Either way, whatever that's going to happen. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, seeming like, hey, I'm going to go on living or I'm going to, you know, be martyred for my faith. I will be released from these chains here. But you can study this on your own to see what you think. But that's what I think. I think it really talking about both. Either way. Paul actually did eventually get released. Um, um, uh, what is believed that he did have his hearing with Caesar, you know, and I believe that he was able to share the gospel with, with Caesar and Nero. And then after that, he went and visited the churches, even went back to Philippi. But then he got imprisoned a second time, we know. And that second time, he was then martyred and traditionally it's believed his head was cut off. Can you imagine, though, Paul witnessing to Caesar Nero. I mean, just stop to think about that. How God gave him the, that opportunity, I believe, and, and God was really reaching out to Nero. Yeah, I mean, this enemy of Christians, God in his love gave Nero a chance to receive Jesus. Okay, so Paul is saying here, I find joy because I know God will deliver me from this situation whether life or, or, or death or whatever that is, Paul finds joy in that. Paul finds joy that, hey, I know for sure God's going to be there for me. I know for sure God's going to answer the prayers of those Philippians. I know for sure the Holy Spirit's going to strengthen me. I mean, can you imagine, you know, standing before the, the leader of the world at that time, Caesar, yeah? I mean, I'd be totally nervous, you know, on that. But God knows the Holy Spirit will give him that strength. And so Paul goes, hey, I find joy because I know God will deliver me from this situation, whatever it is. I remember um, one time I was sharing a trial I was going through with someone years ago, a long time ago. And they said, don't worry, everything is going to be all right. It always works out. Now, in this conversation, you know, it was coming from this thought, this person, that things just somehow work out, you know, quote unquote, right? And, and, you know, some people are like that, you know. Oh, I, I've seen that things just, they, they, they just kind of work out, you know. And, and maybe they see some cosmic force or quote-unquote fate, you know, moving through the universe. And yeah, you know, things, things will work out. You know, just, and, and hey, praise the Lord, thank you. You're trying to be encouraging. But just to say, things will work out, you know. For me, I, I, I knew better, you know, with Jesus that, my hope is not in some optimistic outlook, you know, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. If I just think positive, it's going to be good, you know, kind of thing. No, my outlook, and even if it's optimistic, it's on the living God. It's based on that. It's based on Him. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul's like, hey, through you guys' prayer, because I know God answers prayer, through the Holy Spirit and His strengthening on us, you know, whether I'm delivered of the trial or delivered by strength to go through this trial or not, 
I know God will be with me, whatever that is. So Paul's like, that's where I find my joy. I find my joy because I know God will deliver me from this situation either way. We got to find our joy like that, you guys. We got to base it on who God is and our hope in Him and He answers prayer and He's with us and however it happens, you know, He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. So find joy, you guys. Find joy because of the hope we have in Jesus that He does answer prayer. He does give us the Holy Spirit. Find joy that God cares enough for you that He will deliver you, however way that is, and help you. Oh, I was just, I just stopped, you know, when I was, um, looking at this, putting all this together, and I was just praying, oh God, give us all the eyes to see what Paul saw. Yeah. To, to have that joy. I pray we all have that joy and find that joy that Paul had and be strengthened even right now. So here's Paul. Here's his deliverance he's talking about. Then we go to number two in our outline here. Paul's determination. This is, this is real heavy here. Paul's determination. Look at Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at two verses, but first let's look at verse 20. Paul goes on and says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, the apostle goes on to write with eager expectation. He's, he's saying, I earnestly, I really expect what's going to happen. And I have hope that God will be, for sure, faithful to me and helping me here. So Paul knows that, that he will not be ashamed, he writes here, in all of this. Paul knows no matter the accusations, no matter the, what the false teachers are saying about him while he's in jail, like we talked about last week, no matter going in front of Nero, what's going to happen there? Either way, he's saying, God will deliver me. Either way, either way. God's, I'm, I know I'm not going to be ashamed. So, you know what? That not only gives him joy, but it gives him this Full courage. And I like that. The NLT puts it this way. I will continue to be bold for Christ. I love that. Paul is saying, I'm not backing down. I'm not going to I know God's going to be with me. Whatever happens, all I know is God's going to be with me. I am not backing down. So I'm going to be bold for Christ. I'm going to have full courage here. But he says, I will now and always, in other words, I will keep doing what I've always done, and that is, Christ will be honored in this body. So he's saying, I'm being bold for Christ. I'm going to stand. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to back down. And I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to do right now what I've always been doing. And you know what? I, Christ will be honored in this body and everything what I do, whether by life or death. Whatever I face, whatever it comes out to, whatever the outcome is, whatever happens, if I'm released or if I'm martyred, I will honor Jesus with this life I have. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? What he's saying right here? Wow. Paul's heart is that this body of his will honor Jesus no matter what happens. That is Paul's determination here. Our heading. 
You know what Paul's doing right here? He's living out what he said in Romans 12.1. You guys know that, right? It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And this is what Paul is saying. Hey, this life, this body, it's, it's yours. It's a living sacrifice. Whatever you want to do, God, whatever. And I'm doing this to honor you no matter what. I want you to be honored. Now, understand something here. When Paul writes, it is my eager expectation here, the Greek word here is a, the picture of a person straining his neck to like try and see you know, what's ahead. So what Paul is saying is he's looking intensely for the Lord to fulfill his plan for him. He wasn't stressed out here. He wasn't one, oh God, what are you going to do? Will I be released or not released? Or am I going to die? Am I going to die a gruesome death or not? He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't even looking at that. He was straining his neck, looking in e eager anticipation of what God will do. His focus was on how God will use him, you know what? To shine Jesus. To share Jesus. To bring Jesus to whatever situation it was, right? I mean, he could bring it to Caesar. He's going to bring the gospel to, to Caesar. Or if you were a martyr, he's still going to stand for God and shine Jesus. So for him, it was to shine Jesus. Notice Paul did not say, I will honor Christ. But no, he was more emphatic. He was saying, Christ will be honored in this. That's his heart. That's what's going on and burning in his heart. He was all about Jesus being glorified. Listen to what Bruce Barton said in his commentary. Paul looked forward to the final fulfillment of what God whatever had for him. And then Barton said he was not concerned about the verdict of his trial, but for the testimony he would leave. That's heavy, guys. He, he wasn't so, will I be freed or am I going to die or, you know. Again, we see Paul. Remember, we've been seeing Paul. He's not so much focused on me and me and me. He's focused on the gospel. He's focused on people being saved. And here, that Jesus' light would shine out. This is amazing. Uh, to me, it's just amazing. Paul's heart and passion here. So with all this in mind, that's all why Paul writes. Look at verse 21. Now, he says, For me to live is Christ." And to die is gain. Now, Paul states what's behind everything he does. Paul states his motivation, his reason for, for being on the earth. He states everything that he does and says and everything. It's right here. For him to live, that means this life here on earth is all about Christ. It's about Jesus. That's, what it, that's Paul. To be on this earth, to walk on this earth, everything he does, everything he thinks, every, his ministry, uh, of whatever he does and wherever he goes, whether in prison or not, whether teaching the church on a missionary journey, whether shipwrecked or whatever, it's Jesus as he walks on this earth. And to die, that's to leave the earth, right? And go live in eternity with who? Jesus. He says, it's game. Game meaning it, it benefits him or it's way better then life here is to go to heaven and be with Jesus. So look at it this way, what he's saying. Either way, whatever happens to him, the common denominator here is what? Jesus. 
it's Jesus. Whether he, he stays on this life, he's going to live for Jesus. But if he, if he is martyred and goes home to heaven, then you know what? He gets to be with who? Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. For Paul, everything in life is about Jesus. And when he dies, it's still about being with Jesus in heaven. Paul is saying, Jesus is what I live for, our title. That's Paul. He's, he's, he's blowing you know, the trumpet. He's declaring. He's putting it on a PA system. What I live for? Jesus. It's Jesus. Oh, I love that. I'm inspired by that. Around 1722, the Moravian church in Germany began to come alive and, and get on fire for Jesus Christ. And, and this little church in Germany in 1722 was actually credited to, be, to send out the first missionaries out into the world in, in kind of our modern times. And that was when no, nobody was doing that. And the pastor leader was um, Nicholas Zinzendorf. And I love his heart. And one of my favorite quotes from him is this. Zinzendorf said, I have but one passion. It is he and he alone. Amen. I love that. That, that just, just, just sparks my heart. I want that. And that's Paul. I have but one passion. It is he and he alone. That's Paul, you guys. He's saying this, basically, and this is our point. To me, whether in life or in death, Christ is everything. My passion is Jesus. To me, whether in life or in death, Christ is everything. My passion is Jesus. I read about a student in college, and he put this big letter V on the door of his dorm room. People thought, is that your name? Or they thought maybe he wanted to win, you know, victory kind of in sports. But when he was asked what the letter was, what the letter V stood for on his dorm room door, he didn't say anything, but he just smiled. Well, four years later, everyone found out. The V meant, what the V meant, he graduated valid, valedictorian. I always say valedictorian, <laughs> but valedictorian, yeah. That was his goal. The V on his door was what everything he lived for in college, what he was heading for. It was his focus. That's why he was there. He wanted to make that valedictorian in level at graduation. That was his dominating focus and you could say that's what he lived for. What's your dominating focus? What do you live for? What occupies most of your time? What is on your mind the most? Yeah? Is it Jesus? Is it like Paul? You know, I was thinking about Paul. If, if, if you so happen to, uh, if, if you were to cut Paul and open up his mind and heart, you know what you would see? Jesus. That's all you see is Jesus. Let me ask you, put it this way. Let me ask you this. What kind of pictures hang in the walls of your mind? Yeah. What kind of decorations are set out inside the house of your heart? Would people who visit see Jesus? Or is it cluttered and and with other things, you know, covering Jesus. Maybe some of the clutter is some person, your career, maybe a hobby or sport, maybe some, some, some principle or ideal that you live by. Now, those things aren't bad. 
But we have, it has to be Jesus, right? Or maybe some people, the pictures all over are themselves. Yeah. Paul, Paul's determination, his domination in his heart was Jesus. All right, well, let's go on to uh, number three in our outline, Paul's dilemma. Paul's dilemma. What I live for, it's Jesus, Paul's telling us, Paul's deliverance we saw, Paul's determination, and now Paul's dilemma. Philippians 1, we're going to cover the rest of the verses here, beginning with verse 22. He writes, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, that's the gain. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. We'll stop there. Okay, Paul now, he goes on to say how if in God's will he is to continue on to live in the flesh, and we're not talking about the sinful flesh, but more like to live in the earthly body, to go on living here on earth, you know, that means he'd be released from prison and all that. That will mean, in his words, fruitful labor. In other words, he can keep bringing people to Jesus, discipling people in Jesus. Yet, he says, which shall I choose? He's not sure what, what he's, kind of, he's torn here, right? That's why he says, he's, I'm hard-pressed between the two. I, I, I want to do this, but I want to do that. I want to be with Jesus, but I want to stay here and serve the Lord. I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure what to do. His desire, yeah, it's to go home and be with Christ, and that's way better. And I, you know, I'd be with him, right? Get out of this stinking world and the evil people doing things, right? I'm sure he's like, yeah, oh, I'd rather go home. And I'd rather be with my Lord, the one I love and I, I yearn for. But he's saying to remain here on earth with the Philippians, basically, was more necessary on your account. Now, that's interesting. He's, they still needed discipleship. So he's saying, you know, it, it would be better for me to stay to help you guys out to grow deeper in Christ, basically. Paul is divided here in if he should stay or if he should go. Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> no, 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 right. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, that shows my age probably. <laughs> yeah, that's all. This is Paul's dilemma. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? You know, Psalm 90, 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart for wisdom. And, and, you know, David wrote like, Hey, Lord, show us, you know, our days are numbered. God has a certain number of our days, each one of us. And he has that pre-fine, all of that. And so teach us, Lord, number our days. Help us take advantage of our opportunity or whatever days that is and to live for you. Uh, but Paul, I, I say that verse because Paul knows that God has a certain number of days for every person's life and for his life. But is it God's time for, for him to go or not, not for him, you know, or for him to stay? You know, he's ready. If so, he's ready to go. If not, he's ready to serve. But what he's saying, if it was really up to him, what would he do? What, what would I do if it was really up to him? Well, then he says in verse 25, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. He's from the South, y'all. <laughs> For your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. 
Paul says, look, I'm convinced of this, though. I know now. It, it, it's not time for me to really go home to heaven. But, you know, I want to remain and continue to be with you guys, you Philippians. God still has work for me to do. Some of the commentators believe that, well, maybe he, he kind of had this sense that, no, he's not going to be martyred, you know, that, no, there's still things that God wants him to do, perhaps, here. And so he, he, he's, he's going in that way. And then, and then he's choosing that, too. He says, why he wants to stay for your progress and joy in the faith, to help in deepening their joy, to help in strengthening their faith. And that will be done, right, when Paul is released from custody and comes to see the Philippians again. And then when he shows up, he's saying, that will give you ample cause to give glory. The, the, the word glory is better actually translated boast. That's because their prayers will be answered. That's because they'll see Jesus move and Paul free and coming to them and they're going to find great joy saying, Oh God, he, he answered our prayers. And so they'll have great joy in that. So listen to what Paul is saying. He's basically saying, you know what, for the sake of the Philippian believers, I would rather stay and see them grow when they see God answer their prayers. That's the idea here. John MacArthur said this, Paul would get, gladly postpone his heavenly blessing for the sake of continuing to serve earthly saints. Isn't that good? I love that. He's, he's willing to let go heaven, yeah, to help those still on earth. So our last point is this. Paul's saying here, I gladly wave off my chance for heaven in order to serve and see you get more of Jesus. I gladly wave off my chance for heaven in order to serve and see you get more of Jesus. And I love this because it's still about Jesus, right? It's still about the people in Philippi, the church in Philippi, getting Jesus. It's still all about Jesus. And I love that. For him to live, it's live for Jesus. For him to go to heaven, it's about to be with Jesus. But to stay now, he's saying, look, I want you guys to get more of Jesus. It's all still about Jesus. I love his heart here, you guys. Let me share with you um, a true story about Adam Orion Judson. He was the first overseas missionary sent from America, actually. He was the first American missionary. In the early 1800s, he and his first wife went to India, and a short, short while later, they went to Burma, where he labeled, labored for 40 years as a missionary there, Adoniram Judson. After 14 years, he only had a, 14 years now, he only had a handful of converts, that people who gave their life to the Lord. He managed to write a Bur the Burmese grammar like he was trying to translate. During that time, he, he suffered a horrible imprisonment for his faith for a year and a half. He also lost his wife and his children to disease. Now, just a note here, at that, and you can imagine, at that time, like Paul, he longed to be with the Lord, yeah? But, you know, to go and, and just take me home to heaven. 14 years, yeah? A, a hard time, a hard run, you know, lost his wife and kids. But, you know what, like the Apostle Paul, he considered his work for Christ to be infinitely more important than his personal Longings. 
He, he then prayed that God would allow him to live long enough to translate the entire Bible into Burmese and to establish a church there of at least 100 believers. That was his prayer. That was his goal. Well, the Lord granted that request and also allowed him to compile a Burmese English and English to Burmese dictionaries, which became invaluable to the Christian missionaries, both foreign and, or Christian workers, both foreign and Burmese, who followed after him. He, 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 he made like a, a dictionary, you know, English to Burmese and back and forth. This is what he wrote. If I had not felt certain that every trial was ordered by infinite love and mercy, I could not have survived my accumulated sufferings. You see, during the hardest times, what kept Anarayam Judson going was the fact that God is in control and that his life was not his own. He lived for who? Jesus. That was it. He lived for Jesus. And no matter what happened, and yeah, Lord, I'd rather just go home, he wanted the people he ministered to to have Jesus too and to live for Jesus too. That's what he lived for. I think like Paul, if you were to open the door to his heart in Pekin, to Anarayam Johnson, you would see his, the house of his heart filled with things of Jesus. What great examples we have here, you guys. We have Paul. I'm, I'm trying to expose to you and open up his heart to you so you can see what's inside of his heart. To see what these words in our Bibles and what we're studying tonight, they're, they're, to look deeper and see what is driving him. What is he about? What does he live for? What do we see in the house of his heart? I hope you see that. I hope you see Anaheim Johnson as another example. We have great examples before us. And I have to tell you, I feel so small <laughs> compared to the giants of, of faith like these guys. Their love for Jesus, their strong desire for people to have more of Jesus, more than themselves. I was thinking of how the hardest thing to do is work with people. It is. But Paul was willing to stay and work with people. That is his love and sacrifice. May God give us that same heart. How do you get that heart for people like that? You know how? By making your life all about Jesus. That's how. By making Jesus what you live for. I mean, think about that for a moment. How Paul, he loved Jesus. His passion was Jesus. Everything he did, it was for Jesus. He, he wanted to be with Jesus in heaven. Yeah? He looked forward to that day. He couldn't wait. Well, as he got more of Jesus, as he lived for Jesus, he got Jesus' heart for the people. And as he experienced Jesus in his life, he wanted the people to have that same experience and have Jesus in their life. Because he knew that's what we need. You and I, that's what we need, you guys. Jesus in our life. Sometimes we make Jesus, and we're all Christians, we're all believers, but sometimes we make Jesus some religion. And what I mean is, oh yeah, I go to church on Sunday, and then you live your life, you know? Or yeah, you believe in Jesus, you pray, you read, read your Bible, but uh, Jesus is there, but only kind of there, or halfway there, you know? What I'm talking about having Jesus be everything. 
that you live for Jesus. It, it moves you. It drives you. He, he moves you. He drives you. And, and you just embrace and want Jesus and more and more and more of him. I was thinking about, wow, how, how did Paul do that? I mean, it's hard, you know, some, the, like what pastors go through and issues with people and stuff that happens. And sometimes I feel like, oh, my, maybe the rapture will happen right now. <laughs> I'm going to go home. I'm going to be with you. Or it's hard, you know, to live in this crazy world, and it's only getting more crazy. Uh, the darkness is coming even more and more. Or, or what's good is bad, what's bad is good. Or, or the morals in our society and the principles are being all turned around upside down, and, and we got to live in this. It's hard, and sometimes like, oh, Lord, can you come right now? <laughs> oh, it's hard to be in this world. But isn't this amazing? Paul, Adarine, Justin, they, Judson, they chose what? I'll stay here so more people can know Jesus. So I can help people to know Jesus and to get to that place where they live for Jesus too. Amazing to me. Amazing. But the way there is to make Jesus what you live for. You know, as we come to a close here, Look again at verse 21. Look again at verse 21. Just the first part. And, and, and be honest here, just in, in, inside of your heart. You don't have to sh shout it out or anything. Or I'm not asking you to do that. But between you and the Lord, how would you fill in this blank? To me, to live is blank. How, what would you put there? Honestly, what would you put there? To me to live is blank. I'm sure, yeah, well, after studying this, we're like, Jesus, Jesus, yeah. But be honest. What does the inside of the house of your heart look like? What dominates the decor there, yeah? yeah? What pictures hang there? Think about it this way. What's on the Instagram or Facebook of the devices laying on the coffee table there in your heart? Yeah? What is that? Listen to this, um, Malti Babak, he wrote the hymn, This is My Father's World. This is my father's, right? He said this, he once said, life is what we are alive to. Isn't that good? Life is what we are alive to. So that's another way to put it. What makes you come alive? You know, one time, I'll close with this. One time um, we were in this mall, uh, one mall in uh, Oahu, and, and we were walking around, and I, I confess I was so bored. <laughs> because Kristen wanted to go look for clothes, shopping, and we went from store to store, and, and it, it was just, was, you know, I, I'm not into it, you know. Plus, women's clothes, what do I care, you know, kind of thing, right? Uh, the first store, I, I mean, I was, I was trying to be good husband, you know. I went in with her, but it was like, you know, you're like standing on a rack and, you know, kind of thing and, and all of that. And we, she was going in and out. The next door, I stood outside the store looking at, staring at, and looking at, wondering these weird mannequins with no heads and no arms. And, yeah, that's so weird, you know, kind of thing, right? And all that. You know, the next door, there were some seats. Oh yeah, thank you, God. So I sat down outside, totally bored. 
God had my phone maybe to read some articles. And then as we were going out through the mall and we were walking around to another boring, sorry, boring clothes store, suddenly we went past the surf store. <laughs> and I said, hey, I'm going to go in here while you go over there. And suddenly, you know, I came alive, yeah? Oh, yeah, looking at the things inside. And it, it, I found things that interested me, some boards, yeah. And it was fun to, you know, kind of window shop look. And, oh, yeah, well, I like this, I like that, you know. And it was a surf store. And it had videos, like, oh, yeah, watching the videos for a while. And, and suddenly, I came alive. But isn't that the way it goes, right? What excites us, what interests us, that's what we're alive to, yeah. That's what turns that switch on inside of us, and suddenly we're alive, and we feel alive. That is what you can say what you live for. That is what is really life to us. Well, for Paul, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. He filled in that blank, right? For me to live, verse 21. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Is that you? Is Jesus what makes life worth living. It should be. So you guys, let's, let's be like Paul. Where Paul says, Jesus, that is what I live for. Let's pray. Lord, as we <clears throat> come to a close here in our study with, with prayer, Lord, and, and worship, and just, just a time to humble ourselves before you, I ask God that um, even as I pray that we would be, all be honest, Lord, and examine ourselves. Paul wrote, your word says, examine yourselves. Lord, search our hearts. See if there be any wicked way in us. Lord, sometimes we just allow things to come into that, the house of our heart. Sometimes we, we, we just don't even think about it. And there's things there that shouldn't be. And there's things there that start to take over. And, and maybe there's too much of something that, that shouldn't be there even at all. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's something, maybe not that bad, but it's become a distraction. God, bring us back to you, Lord, to our first love. Bring us back to what is really important as we walk on this earth, and that is you, Jesus. And I pray over everyone here tonight and myself that as We've studied your word. We looked into your word. We understand what it says. And you are speaking to us. And your Holy Spirit is convicting us. That we would respond tonight. That from this evening on in our life. In, in, as we go on into 2020. As we go on into the rest of this week. Into next week. The months to come. That we would do everything we can to make our lives about Jesus. That's where it starts. That's where it is. That's what it's about, Lord. And, and I want to make that commitment to you right now and myself, Lord. And no matter how hard that this means, no matter uh, things I need to give up, no matter how hard things I need to do that may be difficult, things that, uh, <clears throat> um, attitudes, uh, things in our mind. We need to shift our life around and shift things inside the house of our heart and mind, Lord, to make you number one in our priority. So Lord, I pray for us tonight, right now, 
that you would specifically show us what those things are. That you would specifically, by your spirit right now, name that in our heart and mind. That, that your spirit, if not already, would be saying something to us. Lord, I feel like there's, there's some people here, someone here actually, that is beginning to wander. Their heart is, is, is starting to go off the path. I pray that you draw them back right now because of what you're saying to us tonight, Lord. I feel there's someone here, and, and God is calling you. Come back. Get back on the path with me. Jesus is calling. And you know what? He's calling to all of us because he loves us. And he wants us, and he desires us, and he wants to be close to us, and he wants to go deeper in our relationship. He wants us to die to ourselves more and, and not live for ourselves and, and put down the pride and, and, and start to deal with things that's been a hindrance in our relationship with him. Lord, I pray that you'd hear our hearts as we cry out to you even even in our hurt and in our pain right now, even in our suffering, God. And that you would speak love on us, Lord, and touch us right now. For God, we want to say with Paul, it's you, Jesus, that's what I live for. In your name, amen.